This morning, we're going to continue in the book of Acts, and I want to, um, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for your presence in this place. God, I sense it. I know it. I feel it. Thank you that I, I can know when you're near now. I used to not, but I'm so grateful that I know when you're near. When I know that your presence is strong in a place, God, thank you. And so, Lord, today we surrender to that. We submit to that. And we sit in humility that you would honor us with your presence today. So, Holy Ghost, we invite you into this moment. Open our hearts. Open our ears. Open our eyes. Pour into us everything that we need for life and godliness. We love you. We want to bring honor and glory to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So for some, some time now, I've, uh, I've felt some pressures uh, since becoming a Christian. Anybody ever feel any pressure? Like people put expectations on you? Anybody ever feel the weight of expectation? And, and when you became a Christian, you actually got a bullseye on your back, not only for the enemy, but also for the world that the world would come after you also. And so for a long time, I've felt pressure uh, to be a certain way. Before I was a pastor, it wasn't nearly as bad. Uh, but it seemed like the minute I became a pastor <laughs> or I received a title, not that I was even looking for that. It seemed like the minute I received that title, there was a pressure that came with it, an expectation to fit in. I had to fit into a certain box. I had to act a certain way. I had to say certain things and couldn't say other things. And I had to, I, I couldn't confront things that were wrong. And, and I, had to, I had to please people and almost had to be at people's beck and call. And there was like this expectation that all of a sudden I was God. And, and nobody needed to go to God because they had a pastor. And so I've, I felt the pressure to fit in. For years, um, I don't, I don't, I can handle pressure, but I'll be honest with you, I'm probably like most of you, I don't like pressure. <laughs> I'm just being real. I don't like pressure. I ain't scared of it, but I don't like it. I don't like manipulation, and I don't like when people try to put me in a box because I carry some kind of a title and, and put an expectation on me that I have to be this or that or I can't be this or that. And so I've, for years now, I've felt pressure to fit in. Um, technically speaking, I didn't become a pastor the typical way. I came from pouring concrete. I came up the old school way. I was discipled by a man one-to-one. -one. I was taught for three years how to study my Bible, how to pray, how to be in a relationship with Jesus. And that's how I was developed. That's how God put a solid foundation in my life. And then from that, point, from that point of foundation, he was able to build whatever you see now that's good. It's all because of that foundation that God placed in my life. And, and so I didn't become a pastor the typical way. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to school. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hungry for more education. I think that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you can maintain the fact that Jesus is your foundation and your school is not. And so, 
I felt some weird pressures. When we moved to Eunice, I started feeling some weird pressures. There was this, this whole thing across the city, like, like you're a pastor, so you got to be this and do this and say this and go here and act this way and do that. And I've, I've literally been cussed out at the church. I'm not kidding you. I had a guy, I confronted him because he was lying, and he cussed me all the way out the church. I've been cussed out before. It's no big deal. He had an expectation that I would be a certain thing, and I wasn't. He thought I should be nice, and God never told me to be nice. He told me to be kind, and he told me to be gentle. But he also told me to be shrewd as a viper and gentle as a dove. And I've had to balance that shrewd and gentle. <laughs> and so I've, I've, I've just felt some pressure. And, but you got to be careful when you come against this pressure to fit in that you don't create in, within yourself an independent spirit that becomes unteachable. So, so I didn't want to fit into anybody's box. When you try, when you come with a box, like I'm going to break the box. I don't like the box. I don't want to fit in the box. I don't want to look like a preacher. I don't even tell people I'm preachers. Like that'd be, that might be the last thing that you find out about me is that I'm a pastor. Because the minute I say pastor, you're going to start treating me different. You ain't going to be real anymore. And then you're going to put expectations on me that I can't be real now. So all of a sudden we, we're in this environment where you got to be fake and I got to be fake. I don't like that. So I had to balance between being who God's called me to be and remain teachable, not independent. How does that work? And so today, the title of my message is Pressured to Fit In. And I want to show you through Saul today how he overcame this pressure, I want you to notice where the pressure comes from. Back in this time that we're reading in Acts, the pressure came mostly from the religious community. If Jesus rebuked anybody in the Bible, he rebuked religious people. He gave a tremendous amount of grace to the lost. But he, he didn't tolerate religion. He didn't tolerate fake. Jesus didn't play pretend. Today we experience it still from the religious community, but also from the world. I've had, I've had three specific times that people in the world have tried to use this title of pastor or Christian to put me in a corner. I had a builder one time. We were in a hurry to build our house in unison and get moved over because our other house had sold. And we were kind of like God sold our other house in four hours. And, and like we had to hurry up and move. And we were building the house. And I didn't have no place to bring my, my stuff. And I didn't want to rent a storage container. So I was like, we're going to build a barn. And, and I hired a guy to build a barn. And he kept lying to me. He was never there. He was never there. He was never there. And so I was graceful at first, but I'm like, bro, I'm not Jesus, so your grace just ran out. And, and like, I need my born now. And somehow or another, he found out I was a pastor, and he says, you know, pastors shouldn't act that way. To which my head got glowing red, and the Spirit of God took over, and the guy's still alive. Recently, I had a roofer who, <laughs> who was giving me the runaround again, and, and, and the sales lady, they sent a sales lady to calm me down, and 
she walks up and it's Pastor Jamie, Pastor Jamie, Pastor Jamie, Pastor I'm like, baby, I took the collar off. I'm not pastor right now. I'm Jamie. But she was using a title. She was using something that I was to, to try to manipulate me into being something that wasn't right. It wasn't natural. It wasn't real. I hate to even tell you this one, but this past week I was in a building here in town, a rather tall building in town, and I was in a room with a bunch of chairs, and there was a guy sitting on a high chair with a black robe on. <laughs> and, and, and there was, I owned some rental properties, and one, and one of my ex-tenants was there, and, and she started talking, and she was straight up lying. Well, I took it for about five minutes and I said, Your Honor, that's not true. That's not true. She looked at me and said, Now you a pastor. You shouldn't be acting that way. I was about to say, Hold the mic, Jesus. I'm about to tip. <laughs> but, but all those things, and I'm, I'm being funny with some of it. They all did really happen, but I'm being funny with some of it. And and, but I'm trying to prove a point that others will put expectations on you to be something that God never intended for you to be. You see, when you got saved, you didn't get saved to other people. You got saved to Jesus. But what's funny is, is when you get saved to other people, whether they put that on you or you put that on yourself, then all of a sudden those people get a louder voice in your life than Jesus does. And that voice will take you and put you in a place that you were never intended to be. You don't even belong there. So let's look at Saul. Who was Saul? Let's, we we got to unpack this because you got to understand who he was to understand the pressure he was under. You see, when Saul got radically saved, it was a worldwide event. It would affect the world, the entire globe when Saul got saved. Saul was a Jew. He was from Jerusalem. That's what, that was his base of operations. His hometown was Tarsus. And he belonged to a group of Jews called Pharisees. Now, a Pharisee was a group of people who observed religious ceremonies, practices, oral laws, and traditions. Watch this. In the strictest way. Like they, they, they crossed their T's, they dotted their I's, they said exactly what they were supposed to say, acted exactly how they were supposed to act, at least in public, in front of everybody, so that they could be seen as somebody incredible because they had everything together. They were Pharisees, they studied the law constantly. They also believed in the afterlife, which is good, and they also believed in the coming of the Messiah. Though they had just missed Jesus. But they were known by those who weren't in their group as self-righteous. You like that word? Self-righteous and hypocritical. You see, if you don't want to be saved, you should have never got saved. Saul studied under one of the religious doctors named Gamaliel. He was a doctor of the law. 
and he was Saul's instructor. Last week we talked about how Gamaliel was, was showed up in chapter 5 when all the apostles were arrested, and he was actually the one that gave them grace in front of the whole, the whole uh, congregation of, of religious leaders. He, he said, let's, let's just let them see if this is God. If it's God, it's going to work. If it's not God, it's not going to work. So, so don't even try to punish them. Just, and he gave them grace, but, but, but Saul disagreed. Evidently, because Saul then comes up with Stephen, and Saul approves the murder of Stephen, which scatters the church to all kinds of directions. And then Saul, full of zeal, with permission, takes out after the church. And he gets a permission slip to go to Damascus to start arresting believers. Saul was the top of his class. Because of his age, or his age was probably the only thing that kept him from becoming a leader in the Pharisees. And so Saul belonged to this group, and he was well known. He carried weight among them. You got to understand this. Because if you understand who he was, then you understand the significance of his moment with Jesus. The best, the best way I think I, I can give you an, a modern-day example of what it was like would be, and I want you to hear my heart, I have nothing against Catholics, I have nothing against priests, but this, this is the best example I've been, I've been able to come up with all week is it would be equivalent to some degree in modern day as to if the most popular priest in town last Sunday was doing his ceremony, and he did his ceremony, performed his rituals and traditions and all those things. And then somewhere around Monday or Tuesday, Jesus meets him, shines a light on him. He goes into a room for three days. He's blind. God gives him a vision. Then God gives another man a vision to go and pray for him. That man comes in after three days, prays for him. Scales fall off of his eyes. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And today he's standing in our pulpit preaching the gospel that Jesus is Lord, he's Messiah. It would be like that, except probably bigger. Does that make sense? It was a big deal. So I've got three thoughts I want to share with you today about pressure to fit in. Number one, you got to get out of that pressure. Get out. Look at your neighbor and say, get out. Not out of church, sit still, it's okay. Somebody's like, I was looking for a word to get out. <laughs> Number one, get out. Acts chapter 9, go with me to verse 19 to 23. Let's see how Saul overcame this pressure. So Saul had the Damascus Road experience. Um, and Ananias went and prayed for him. Scales fall off of his eyes. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. I love, I love, I love, I love verse 20. And immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. How do you know when somebody's really saved? You want to know when somebody's really saved? It's not when they raise their hand for a prayer. It's when the message of their life changes. The message, the message their life preaches changes. 
It says, I used to live for me, but I don't live for me anymore because I found Jesus. I live for Jesus, and he is indeed God, and he is the one that you need to serve, and he's the one you need to bow down to. Your life message changes. Saul immediately started preaching the gospel. He is indeed the son of God. Now, he was on a mission to prove that Jesus was a phony. He was on a mission to disprove Jesus and annihilate anybody who believed in Jesus. But boy, when Jesus touched his life, everything changed. Verse 21, all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, and didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priest? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And after a while, when they couldn't, they couldn't refute his proofs, after a while, they said, well, we're just going to have to kill him. Ain't that like people today? They might not kill you, but they'll write you off. If I can't change them, I'm going to write them off. So in a period of about three days, Saul goes from being a Pharisee to a follower of Jesus. He goes from persecuting anyone who would follow Jesus to becoming a follower himself. I love this. He went from being a young, upcoming leader in a religious group to becoming a member of God's family. He lost his religion and he gained a spiritual family. And he stayed with his new family. He didn't go back to his religion. So he begins to preach this message that Jesus is indeed the son of God, a total opposite of what he was about previously. The Bible says his preaching gets more and more powerful and no one can refute him. I love that. And let me tell you why I love that because he was, he was highly educated in religious law, okay? Later on in the, in the New Testament, he says, I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Like he had so much confidence in what he had learned and studied and grew to know that he was like, nobody was better than I was. Watch this. That's who he was. Jesus touches his life, changes his message, and now all those religious people that were on his side are now against him, but they can't argue with him. They can't fight against him because he knows where they're coming from. He knows where they're going. He knows what they've learned. He knows where they've been. He knows what their mindset is. He's saying, no, 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 shut up. You can't tell me that because of this and because of that and because of this because you believe this and you believe that and you believe this. They can't argue with him. So don't tell me that what the enemy meant for harm, God cannot turn around for good. He just did it with Saul. He knew exactly what they were thinking, where they were coming from. And he knew it better than they did. Get out. I got a verse for you in Ephesians chapter 2. It's not in your notes. It won't be on the screen. You can jot it down. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It 
says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. Can I say that one more time? And you can't take credit for this. 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 You can't take credit for this. It is a gift, say gift, from God. Salvation is not a reward for the the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about that. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So watch watch what Paul now is saying to the church. He's saying, you don't get saved by what you do. You don't get saved by keeping the strictest form of the law. You don't get saved by doing everything right. You get saved when you give your life to Jesus and you come into relationship with him by faith through grace. Come on, somebody, through grace. That means you can mess up and he still loves you. And then he says this, watch this. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us to do. Watch this. He didn't save you because of what you did. He saved you because he loved you, and he knows that once you receive his love, you'll do anything he wants you to do. You see how he flipped the script? You want me to tell you what that is? That's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion says i got to check the boxes. To make sure me and God are good, i got to check all these boxes and do all these things. Relationship says, I just got to be. I just got to be. I just got to be me. I can't be Cole. He ain't tall enough. He's a little light. I got to be me. Come on. Why? Because he saved me. I can't fit into somebody else's box. I don't belong in that box. It don't fit. So what am I telling you in the first point? Get out of religion. Do everybody a favor and get out of religion. My throat is dry. Get out of religion. Number two, dig in. So I don't want you just to get out of something and find yourself lost in space. I want you to dig in. Get out of religion and dig in. Go with me to Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 to 18. Paul's going to explain some things that he's not explaining, or that's not being said in Acts. It's going to make sense to you from Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11, Paul is, is, is talking to the church in Galatia. They, 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 he had planted a church there, got a, many folks saved, probably had signs and wonders and cast out demons and all this stuff, and a church was established And all of a sudden, he's writing them a letter because they're falling away from God. Hear this. They're falling away from God. In fact, he says he's shocked that they're falling away from God so fast. You want to know what's shocking? It's how many people left the church when COVID hit. What does that tell you? Their foundation was bad. They were saved for the wrong reason. They were saved to the wrong thing. So 
So he's shocked at how fast they're falling away from God. And so he does some explaining here. He wants to help them understand something. And we pick it up in verse 11. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from... I received my, my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how violently I persecuted the ch God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. There's that word again. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Whew. This is scary for a preacher to preach, I'm telling you right now. Because let me tell you something about preachers. They like to be wanted. They like to be needed. They like to play the role of God too. I've tried to fix most of you. Nor did he go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away to Arabia. And later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, say that with me, say three years later. I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter and I stayed with him for 15 days. Oh, this is, I'm telling you, this is good, this is good, this is good. You need to come out of religion you need to come out of a religious mindset. You need to come out of religious thinking that when I mess up, God's now mad at me and that the whole thing's over and I got to be good to regain the relationship. You got to come out of that because that's not where freedom is. That's bondage. That's bondage. You went back to the law. No, he broke the law off of you. He said, no, you're in relationship now. So when you mess up, there's grace there, there's forgiveness there, and there's love there. And if you just receive that, that'll change your mind about your sin. And then you won't quit sinning because you get tired of working to regain it. You'll quit sinning because you love me and you realize how much I love you. So he's trying to help him to understand how his foundation was laid. It wasn't man-made. It was God-made. Oh, my gosh. Can you hear that today? His, his foundation was not man-made. It was God-made. God-made. What does that mean? Because it's worth unpacking for a minute. He didn't put the responsibility of his spiritual growth on someone else. He took it for himself. Amen. He didn't see nobody else that is God as his God except the one who, who met him on the road. Right. Yeah. Yep. Ah. Yep. You're as spiritually mature as you want to be. Amen. So stop whining. 
I just love it when people leave your church because you ain't doing this and you ain't doing that. Or they leave this relationship because you ain't doing this and you ain't doing that. Hold up, swole up. Since when did I become your God? Evidently, we got some wires crossed. I, I wish I could, I always wish I could get a conversation on the backside, but most people creep out the back door. They don't call you, they don't text, they don't write, they don't send a pigeon, they don't send nothing. You find out from other people they left, and you call them and say, hey, where, what happened? Oh, well, you know, it's some personal thing. And it's like you're breaking up with an old girlfriend. It's not you, it's me. Well, that was already established. I wish I could just sit down and go, hey, tell me something. Answer some questions for me. Let's look at your foundation for a minute. Why are you running? Why are you running? You're running because you're not getting something from man that you were only intended to get from God? Are you serious? You're going to blame man for something you're not getting for God? You're going to use man as an excuse for why you're not closer to God? Come on, man. When they didn't do this, and they didn't call me, and they didn't check on me, and they didn't send me flowers, and they didn't. (sighs) This is brutal, but I'm going to say it. Shocker. (laughs) I'm kind of glad they're gone. Maybe there's another church in town that can explain it in a way I can't explain it. I love them. I see them at Walmart. I'll go after them. Hey! (laughs) I mean, this is a free tip. If you leave this church, don't run from people at Walmart. That's just weird. Like, seriously. Like, you're going to spend eternity with them. What you running from them in Walmart for? This is helping. <laughs> it wasn't man-made. Because you see, if it's man-made, then man gets the credit and God don't get nothing. How does God get glorified in your life if you just become a duplicate of somebody else? But boy, there's a balance in there, yeah. We gotta, I'm going to have to talk about it for a minute, though, because, you see, there's this independent pride thing that wants to rise up inside of you. So the minute you go, I ain't fitting in with nobody, when the devil goes, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to operate plan B against you, and I'm going to make you isolate yourself. I'm going to make you become independently proud, and then you're unteachable. Don't ever forget that Jesus called him to follow him, and even Paul called Timothy to come and follow him as he followed Christ. So we still need other people in our lives. They just don't need to be our God. Ah, (laughs) I am not God. So is the person next to you. Your spouse is not God. And by the way, she's not the Holy Spirit. It's a crying shame when grown men go, well, you know, my wife's like the Holy Spirit. Your wife ain't the Holy Spirit. Move on, move on. <laughs> so Paul went after Jesus after Jesus went after Paul. Boy, did you hear that? Paul went after Jesus after Jesus went after Paul. 
Boy, you see, you didn't go on a mission to find Jesus. Jesus went on a mission to find you. And his intention was when he found you that you would turn from your current direction and follow him. So Paul took full responsibility for his own spiritual growth. He didn't lay that on another man. And for three years, we don't hear from Paul. In fact, this is the last time we're going to hear about him in the book of Acts for several chapters because of those three years. How do you dig in? You got to get quiet for a little while. How do you mature? You got to get with Jesus. I've quickly come to the realization this year that I can't change much. But I can trust Jesus to change everything. Yeah, Jesus can change everything. And when I get frustrated, instead of staying frustrated, I'm just like, Jesus, that's your people. You're going to have to touch them. I can't do nothing. Unless you tell me. And if you ain't telling me, I ain't doing. That's not what a pastor's supposed to do. He's supposed to be at my beck and call. He's supposed to come meet me in the hospital. He's supposed to bring me flowers and bring me food and do all these things for me. The pastor works for me. No, no, baby. I works for Jesus. So my name is Jamie, and today I officially retire. <laughs> I retire from all your expectations. Not just yours, even the ones that are outside the church. Cheryl, is this okay? I ain't in trouble yet. Okay. All right. just, she's not the Holy Ghost, but I mean... Be careful. Just be careful. Theologians believe that Paul took those three years and he sought after Jesus personally. Remember when I said Jesus went after Paul and when and then Paul went. uh, Yeah, that thing. Theologians believe that Paul took three years to develop this revelation about Jesus. It's just so important. You see, the Damascus Road was the revelation of Jesus getting to him. The three years was the revelation getting in him. And you can't do much unless the revelation is in you. And then the rest of his life was the revelation coming out through him. You see, it got to him, in him, through him. So they believe he studied scripture, he prayed and he preached and he developed this revelation that he was getting of Jesus. I believe it was a lot of unpacking of his religious mindset and a lot of new packing of this revelation of Jesus, this new grace, this Ephesians 2.8 thing that he says that you're saved by grace when you believe. 
That's how you're saved. That's it. There's nothing else attached to that. You're saved by grace. It's simply because Jesus loved you enough to introduce himself to you. He, he loved you enough to draw you to him. It's by grace, by grace through faith. You got to believe it. That's it. So many times throughout his life in the scriptures, you'll read where he would go back to Jerusalem or he would go and find Peter and John and he would reconnect with those guys and it's believed that he would do so to make sure that the gospel message was staying pure. So he wasn't a maverick running out by himself doing his own thing. He was just doing what God told him to do knowing that he still needed to be connected with the ones who walked with Jesus for three years. This is what blows my mind, is they walked with Jesus for three years, and then Jesus ascends into heaven, and then Paul sits with Jesus for three years. Seeing it? It's going to take time. You know what I realize? It takes more time than I'm willing to allow sometimes. You want to know the error of my way? Here's the error of my way. I put too many expectations on people to grow too fast. Only to watch them fall out and burn out. I'm pumping the brakes. It doesn't mean I'm getting void. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be around because you still need to grow. So G. G. Campbell Morgan said that God needed to get the revelation of Jesus to him, in him, and then through him. And that's what you see in the life of Paul. The Damascus Road was the revelation getting to him. The three years spent maturing was the revelation getting in him. Because you can't move past what's in you. And then through him. So number one, get out. Number two, dig in. Number three, get going. Get going. Let's go back to Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Watch this. So Saul... I'm going to give you the, the, the front story. Saul goes off. He leaves from Damascus. He preached a few times. By the way, they were trying to kill him, so they had to make him leave. It seems to me there's a pattern here. If somebody's trying to kill you, you might need to leave. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Like they're trying to kill him, and they're like, no, bro, you need to go. Okay, I might need to go. People trying to kill me. But, but I ain't heard of none of y'all say, you know what, I was telling somebody about Jesus the other day, and they're threatening to kill me. So that means we can step out a lot further than we've stepped out so far. So, so they send him off. He goes to Arabia. It's, it's not clear if he spent three years in Arabia or if he came back to Damascus and spent three years in Damascus. Either way, he spent the three years that he spent with Jesus. So we pick it up in 26. It says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers. So he leaves Damascus. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I want to see Peter and John. I need to connect with these guys. But they were all afraid of him. 
This is three years after the Damascus Road. They, they did not believe he had truly become a believer. I could go a thousand directions with that. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told him that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some of the Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. Indication, time to move. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. He went and he met with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. He didn't meet with all the apostles. He just met with Peter and he met with James. He spent 15 days with them and he does a little bit of preaching and here comes the trouble. Here comes the trouble. No preaching, no trouble. No trouble, no preaching. Jesus didn't save you to stay out of trouble. You see, that's where religion will kick you in the nose. Religion says you got to be good. Relationship says you just got to be with me. And you might, all, you might not always be good how they think you need to be good. Somebody's drowning in the river. You going to whisper to them? Hey, you might ought to come out. I don't want to offend you. Like, you might ought to come out. You're drowning. What do you do? What do you do? If you ain't got a raft, what do you do? You go in and you get them. But you hurt my arm. Yeah, but I saved your stinking life. Yeah, but you were rough with me. It's okay. It's going to be all right. But at least you're safe. Right? Religion never ruffles feathers. You're powerless. You're powerless because the gospel became unpure in your heart. You're powerless because you, 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 you've come under this thing that I've got to be good and, and I, can't, I can't ruffle feathers and I've got to be this and I've got to be that and, and I, can't, I can't say what I, what I really feel is about to bust up in my heart. I can't say it because I might offend somebody and somebody might get mad and, and I can't be who I'm called to be because I'm condemned because I can't do what I think I need to do to be with Jesus. 
So I'm under this law, I'm under this religion, and I've got this mindset that I gotta keep working to be good before I can do anything else, and I, can, I can't be who I'm called to be because I ain't done what I needed to do. I ain't done enough. You see, when you get the revelation of Jesus in you, you don't need for much. Because you're full. What revelation am I talking about? The revelation of who Jesus is, how you were saved where he is, the fact that he's still alive, you don't serve a dead king, you serve a live king who's actively looking over your life, he's petitioning, he's advocating, he's praying, he's interceding for you, you have no clue what Jesus is doing for you if you don't have the full revelation of who he is in you. You're just hopefully wondering, hoping to find some clue along the way of this life and then maybe everything will make sense. Just take some time. Get with Jesus by yourself. Take your expectations off of somebody else and get with Jesus by yourself. I've never heard of anybody reading their Bible and dying. Maybe they died to self. There were some fleshly things and some religious things that needed to die, but nobody blew up because they read the Bible too much. Nobody blew up because they prayed too much. Nobody blew up because their quiet time was too long. And this ain't even about pointing a finger at somebody else. This is about you. It's about me. I'm preaching to me. I'm as close to Jesus as I want to be. So he spends 15 days. He starts preaching. Here comes trouble. It's time to move on. He's ushered away to his hometown. He didn't wait for permission to go preach. He didn't wait for somebody to put a a label or a title on him before he could be all that God called him to be. He just became who God called him to be, and then titles came afterwards. Apostle came afterwards. The the, the author of the New Testament, it came afterwards. The the Apostle Paul, the great theologian, it came afterwards. He didn't wait for permission, and he didn't wait for a title. He just did what he was called to do wherever he was. You see, you don't need permission from man if you've already got permission from God. This could go two different directions. Can I be honest with you? There's a part of me that's going, oh, gosh, what are you preaching? Are you crazy? You're going to kill your own church. Are you stupid? You're telling people to be independent of you? What if they don't listen to you? Can I just be honest? This is what's running through my head right now. It's like, what if they don't listen to you? What if they don't need you? Then what you going to do? 
And there's this whole other side of me that says, I'm tired of being all that. I'm tired of trying. I can't be all that. I'm tired of trying to be all that. I, I can't live up to that. I can't sustain that. In fact, I can't even change you. So I go, Lord, you want me to preach? Tell them don't fit in. Yeah, that sounds great. They don't need to fit in everywhere else. Write the message. No, here too. <laughs> you see, I didn't become a Christian and a pastor just, to, just so you become an OSC member. I've erred in that way for years. I guess we'll see what's going to happen. <laughs> right? <laughs> so once again, persecution breaks out. It pushes Saul out of Jerusalem and into the world. Question, what's holding you up right now? What's holding you up? Is it a religious mindset? Are you stuck in, I ain't done enough? Are you stuck in, I ain't been good enough? Are you stuck in, I need to do something else? Are you stuck in, I need to be something else? What's holding you up from your mission? Is it a religious mindset? Could it be that you're just in the digging in phase? And maybe you've become a little lethargic, a little lazy. You've kind of slacked in your pursuit of Jesus. And so what, what, what was meant to take X amount of time is taking too many X's of time because you lost your passion, you lost your zeal, you, 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 you forgot your first love. Maybe you're in that process and it's time to get back on it. Maybe it's time to pick up the shovel and start digging again. Not to do something. It's just an analogy to get in a position where you're going to get with Jesus. That means you got to restructure your entire life. you got to look at your calendar and you got to start erasing some stuff from there to make Jesus the priority of your calendar, the priority of your life. You need to restructure your life in such a way that Jesus is king and your calendar is not. you got to be the king of your time. What am I doing with my time? Maybe you're in the digging in process. Maybe you've dug in and you've just been sitting around waiting on permission. <laughs> Lord just told me there's a few of y'all in here. Y'all waiting on me to tell you to do something. Dun, dun, dun. You're waiting on permission. You know what I love? When people come to me and say, Pastor, God's put this on my heart. I, I, and, they, and they explain it to me and I go, you need to run with that. You need to run with that. They've already got it. 
How can we incorporate this? How can we do this? God's been laying this on my heart. In my quiet times with Jesus, this is what I sense. This is what I feel. You see how that's a collaboration? It's not coming for permission. It's coming to just say, hey, I feel like this is the direction God's leading me, and I feel this burden in my heart to go and do something or to go and go on mission. What do you think about it? I'm like, bro, go. For the love of God, go. If he gives me some wisdom for you, I'll give it to you. If you need my help, I'll help you. I'll assist you. But just go. So we don't need permission from the world. We don't need permission from the church. You don't need permission from your pastor to fulfill the mission that God's given you. Is it permission that's holding you up? Are you waiting on something? Are you waiting on a certificate? A certain step. You know what's funny? I learn more as I go. I learn more as I go. Once I've dug. Let me see if I can put this together. So, so you dig in the relationship with Jesus, you get the revelation of Jesus inside of you, and then there comes this point where you get real uncomfortable, and you know you need to go. You feel like, okay, I've got the revelation. I know who Jesus is now. I know what and who my life hinges on, and then there comes this point where you got to go, ah, whoa, ah, and then here comes somebody trying to kill you, and here comes some pressure. Here comes some other things. God didn't want Paul to stay in Jerusalem. It wasn't his mission. He wasn't supposed to stay with Peter and John. He was supposed to bring the gospel to the world. So God used some affliction. He used some, some threats. He used some things to move him out. There comes a place where you got to make a step of faith. Sometimes you just got to step out in faith. And if you make a mistake, God will back you up. Don't worry about it. At least you made a mistake with faith and not a mistake with fear. Is that where you're at? Are you waiting on something? Say, Mom, get out, dig in, and then get going. What has God called you to do? What has He called? you to do. Not OSC. Don't hide under the banner of OSC. What has God called you to do? What's burning in your heart? What keeps you up at night? What lays on your brain when you're trying to fall asleep and it bothers you? What has he called you to do? Come on, worship team. Need the whole team. We're going to play that last song with the loop and everything. Just to be clear. Verse 31, watch this. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger. <laughs> God, this is so good. 
it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. It became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. It grew in numbers. How? Because we brought in some big name preachers? Because we threw a concert? Because we got cool videos, smoking lights? No. How did it grow in numbers? It grew in numbers with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And they were experiencing peace. Lord, we bless you. God, I ask you to get the revelation of Jesus to us today. And then, God, I ask you to get the revelation of Jesus in us, however long that takes. Give us the strength to extend one another grace to grow. God, you put the pressure. then, Lord, get the revelation of Jesus through us. I pray today that we come out of, we get out of a religious mindset. There's nothing else I can do to make you love me any more than you already do. I don't have to do. I just need to be. Say that with me. I don't have to do. I just need to be. I don't have to do. I just need to be. I need to settle down and just be. Be present. Be at peace. Be still. And just know So God, today I pray that those that need to get out, get out. They get out of a religious mindset. They get out of religion. They get out of trying to fit in, whether with the world or with religion. And God, I pray for those that need to start digging in, that we'll start digging in. And once that's where it needs to be, I pray we'll go on mission. We'll get going. God, I ask you today to forgive me for putting unrealistic expectations on people. For being blind to what really needs to happen. To being blind to how long growth takes. It's different for everyone, but God, I've crossed boundaries and I've put pressure that was unnecessary. And I ask you to forgive me. 
God, I want to ask you to forgive me for not giving people enough time to dig in. I was anxious. I was in a hurry. I was trying to fit in. I was trying to be what others thought we should be. Please forgive me. Break that off of me. I just want to go on mission. I just want to go with you. So Lord, in this moment that we sing this song, I pray that you begin to speak to each one of our hearts. Holy Spirit, show us. Holy Spirit, know us. I pray that we know you in this moment. We give you this moment. In Jesus' name.